0: Hello, what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxton, and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. We've been pre-recording over the New Year. This is our first live of 2023. I'm joined by James Sweetham. James, how was your Christmas and your new New Year? And are you looking forward to 2023 in the sporting world of Salford?
1: I most certainly am, Rob. New times for the show, new stuff coming up in the world of sport. I was a bit ill over Christmas, truth be told. I I was in bed from the 18th onwards, but I've managed to power through. I'm back with you now, Rob, and I can't wait for a year of soft sporting chat. Very,
0: very exciting times, James. We'll start with the football and we'll start Manchester United. Um, over the the Christmas New Year period, uh, they beat Knott's Forest 3-0. Uh, they beat Wolves away 1-0. They beat Everton in the FA Cup 3-1. Uh, very good, exciting uh, you know, period of time for uh, United.
1: We're absolutely flying out, aren't we, Rob? Manchester United mm. are playing some sensational football under Eric Ten Hag, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because had we not had such a poor start to the season, we'd be in title contention right now. Yeah, that's true that, James. And obviously,
0: you know, with Eric Ten Hag coming in, we knew it would take time. And and do, do we think, obviously... With the, the gap that was created early doors, can we close that gap? Obviously, there's teams around us that are, that are dropping points. And that's a good sign for Manchester United and uh, for Ten Hag that we are picking up points and closing the, the gap in the situation. And, and that is what championship teams do, don't they?
1: Yeah, most certainly. I mean, the teams around us aren't unbeatable, aren't they? I mean, nope. and, and there's a lot, for example, your Chelsea's and your Liverpool's who aren't playing particularly well at all. So competition is thin this year. So we've got a big opportunity not only to secure a Champions League place, but secure third or second place in the table. It's difficult to say right now, obviously, Arsenal and City are the two teams that we expect to win the Premier League. It's going to be one or the other. And it, it depends what line you fall on. I mean, some think michel Arteta's is going to ride this wave of momentum all the way to the end and others think he's going to completely crumble under the pressure as arsenal have done so many times in the past and if that does happen there's an opportunity for manchester united to pounce yeah indeed james and you know arsenal are on a could
0: you know run a farm uh, man city are in in the in the mirror behind them, but we have to kind of wait and see, don't we, what happens in this situation, uh, you know, with with uh, the likes of City and Arsenal, because they are, you know, teams that, you know, are used to winning, but when you come to the, uh, the back end of, of any, uh, you know, tournament, any competition, any league, you know, it's all about picking up their wins, and that's what is important, that's what both managers will be looking at doing.
1: Yeah, most certainly, but Arsenal, you said they're used to winning, and they are in a sense, but they've not done it recently. No, no, and th- and
0: that's the thing. It's looking back at a time with Arsene Wenger and you know his magic he produced at, at Arsenal, and I suppose it's it's recreating that, but it's it's kind of a, a a real thing. Is can can Arsenal get back to that level again? They are clear at the top of the Premier League, and that's different pressure they've had to experience before, isn't it?
1: Yeah, most certainly this, this this pressure they're feeling right now. They haven't felt for a long time. And it's up to Michael Arteta to make his men believe. Because they've not felt these pressures before. Granted, as well as Arsenal did back in 2004. That was a long, long time ago. It's a completely new batch of players. And none of them are used to winning like this. So he's got a tough job in his hands. I think they have the minerals to do it. Because they've gone through Christmas now. They're still at the top of the table. They're still playing well. So they've got every chance. Manchester United, going back to them playing better than ever. They obviously got that 3-1 win over Everton last night. We're hoping for a good cut, run, And is that the trophy that we should be zoning in on?
0: I suppose with the way it's all set up, James, you know, the Premier League, is that going to be a little bit too far away? With Eric, and Eric Ten Hag and the situation he's in, winning a trophy is massively important. And... You know, getting the FA Cup in in the in the bag would be you know a real stepping stone if he wants to challenge his players to to go on to bigger and better things. Other managers have always looked at winning League Cups and FA Cups as being part of the process, and I can't see how Eric Ten will would be any different, uh, really, in this situation, James. But you know, I suppose if the if the Premier League does come up and we are in a position to strike, I'm sure he will want to do that. But he'll want to make sure his players have tasted success so he can, you know, inject that into the squad and he can sort of grow it and, and
1: continue to improve this Man United team. He's improving them at a rapid rate and a player who he's particularly done the groundwork with is Marcus Rashford. Mm. Somebody who's struggled in seasons gone by and the fans almost turned on. Uh, Lee Sharp has come out in the media and he's piled the praise on Marcus Rashford and he thinks that he, especially with Ronaldo going, has an opportunity to become a real star. Yeah,
0: thirteen goals so far this season. Five goals in five games for for Marcus Ratchford, James, you know, really in form. Um, you know, people talk about you know his his lack of form earlier in the season and, and the end of last season, but he's certainly turned the corner. for now, um, does he is he fitting this United team very well at the moment? And um, because I think obviously Martial playing centre, you know, as a striker, uh, puts that bit of pressure off. Um, Marcus Ratchet has allowed him to play his natural game. So um, it's, I think it's important he continues to play in that position, continues to produce. I'm, I'm sure he'll continue to score goals, playing well for England, playing well for Man United. It's only going to be a good sign uh, going forward. And, and that, that's what you want. You want good players in good form. And uh, you know he got the likes of uh, Sancho, who hasn't had a sniff yet, and he's been uh, training by himself uh, in in the in, you know in the we'll call it off mid-season break uh, for the World Cup. You know, trying to get fit again. So uh, there's plenty of uh, players in that Man United squad who, who have got things to prove, and I'm, I'm sure Marcus Ratch will want to continue to to be able to score goals and, and uh, terrorise defenses for the next 12, 18 months.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what we're expecting at the moment. And another player who at the halfway point of the season is doing particularly well is Casemiro, mm. who came as a bit of a surprise signing, didn't he? We spent the bulk of the summer zoning in on Frankie de Jong, and we'll get on to him in a minute because it's looking like the tide may have turned and there might be a chance to secure the Dutchman. But Casemiro, we knew he was going to do well. A born winner, granted some criticised his age, but I think he's had a fantastic impact on the squad.
0: Yeah, you know, we we wondered, didn't we, when he first came, uh, whether it, whether he'd be able to fit into this Man United team, obviously being at Real Madrid surrounded by all these top top players, uh, a lot of people, I think Graham Zunis in particular, was was critical about what he could bring to Manchester United. But he's brought that calmness, he's brought quality into that midfield, which was always a, a real um, sort of real. St- Problem for that, for Manchester United that midfield area, but Casemiro's come in. He's shown the whole world that he is a top top player, and he's took that Man United midfield to another level. So you're kind of hoping he can continue in this in this form. Uh, Eric Ten Hag can, can add extras, you know, to the squad and to the team, which will bring him out. Uh, unfortunately, he is he is quite sort of advanced in age. Uh, he's probably not a you know pick for the future. But what from what he's doing now, he's taking Man United to that next level, and that's the most important. I think
1: it most certainly is and somebody who has played well for Manchester United over the years but might not necessarily take them to the next level is David De Gea
0: Hmm. and
1: don't get me wrong he made a couple of good saves against Everton but that mistake the ball going through his legs it wasn't great was it
0: no no it wasn't and obviously a lot of criticism for, for David De Gea um, he's had some great years at Manchester United you know kept this uh, Man United team uh, in many a competition I suppose the way you look at it is the worse the Man United team is the better dead David De Gea is <laughs> in fact if this team is fantastic David De Gea doesn't really have much to do so you know he's only got he's on his last year his contract uh, they haven't extended it uh, but we've always talked about the problems at, uh, at Manchester United and, and the back six not being able to play football and David De Gea is part of that. So does Eric Eric Ten Hag think that I can improve uh, David De Gea's uh, football ability with the ball at his feet to be able to spray the ball around and not feel under pressure? Or will I have to bring a new goalkeeper in? Because bringing a new goalkeeper in, you'd have to be a very good goalkeeper. But I suppose the way modern footballers is, um, you might not necessarily be the best keeper in the world but just need appear better footballer uh, than
1: your previous incumbent. What do you think? Well, I suppose there's two ways to look at this, isn't there? Firstly, look at what Eric Ten Hag has done with Marcus Rashford. In a season, he's completely turned around his confidence. And you'd like to think he can do the same thing with David because we all know that when he's at his best, he's sparkling, isn't he? Mm. You don't get many goalkeepers on the planet who are better than him. And granted, the consistency isn't always there, but when he's on his day, the saves he can make, I don't think there's any other goalkeeper on the planet who perhaps encapsulates talent quite like he does. But on your point of getting a new goalkeeper in, a rumour I've heard on the grapevine is Emi Martinez, the Argentinian goalkeeper who's just become a World Cup hero. Mm. And that's a thing, obviously. You know,
0: we talk about great Man United goalies, don't we? We talk about Peter Schmeichel. We talk about uh, Edwin van der Sar. Uh, we talk about, you know, David De Gea and, and the amount of time he spent at Old Trafford and, and his heroics that he has managed to pull out over the years. He has to be put into that category, done he, as being the best Man United goalkeeper? But all Man United goalkeepers come to the end of their uh, run, don't they? You know, the great Michael, you know, in '99 after the European Cup, he, he left and uh, took a year basically and then came back and played for City and Villa. But we'll forgive him for that because the heroics he, he showed in a, in a United shirt. But You know when when will De Gea's time go? He's still quite young, really, in comparison when it comes to goalkeepers. He's not uh, particularly old, James. So, um, has he another five years in before Man United decides that time is up, or is it more of a I need a goalkeeper who can play football rather than a really really good goalkeeper who you know saves the possible saves but can't kick a ball with his feet.
1: The rumours about David De Gea leaving United have come and gone over the last few years. I mean, initially, when he was on top of the world, he wanted to move to Real Madrid, didn't he? Mm. Which ultimately didn't end up taking place. Now, his sights may not be as high. However, when his back's against the wall, David De Gea usually finds a way to hang on, doesn't he? Yeah. So I don't think he's going to go. That's my gut feeling. Uh, there's a couple of big games coming up, obviously, this quarterfinal of the Carling Cup. I mean, that's showing my age, isn't it? The Carling Cup, <laughs> the League Cup or whatever. Whoever sponsors it nowadays. Yeah, We're playing Charlton. You... That should be a game we can win. And then we've got the Manchester Derby, and that's a big one. Have you ever come out of the time the time machine, James? <laughs> it's always the Carling Cup to me, Rob. <laughs> always the Carling
0: Cup. What have you done with the real James? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I understand it. You know, it's, it's another cup cool competition uh, that Manchester United will, you know, want to progress in. I think, I think with, like I said, we've had the FA Cup weekend now we? with with lots of different upsets and top Premier League teams rotating squads. Uh, Not Forest got hammered at Blackpool. away, rested eleven players. Not Forest bottom of the the Premier League. You know what I mean? It's it's madness. I think that teams decide to rest the majority of their players. And hope that you know the people coming in who, who aren't playing every week are you know youngsters that come through the academy, and the reserves have enough to beat these uh, battle-hardened, um, you know, other teams, and 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 it's really difficult sort of a balancing act uh, for Man United against the likes of Charlton. But you're hoping that we've got enough quality to get through uh, because obviously Man United, you know, the, the, they have different targets already for this year, uh, and and like, like we said before, is it was Eric ten hag just wanting to win a trophy to, to to get on the board or has he got loftier ambitions and he'd cash it all in uh, for a champions league spot
1: i think his main ambition is the champions league spot because that's where the money is mm. slice it dice it whatever you want football is a business and they want that cash however it would be a big statement to win a trophy and they're still in the FA Cup and the uh Nearly said the carlic up a camera, on, but still <laughs> in the competition. Uh, and Chalters, an, it should be an easy enough game. And then you're in the semi finals and you just, what? You're within touching distance of silverware. Yeah. And Eric Ten Hag will want that silverware. In Ajax, he won near enough everything. And he'll yeah. want to continue that legacy at Manchester Make an instant statement. And if there are any doubters left. He'll, without doubt, prove them wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, doubters at Chelsea. 10th place. Off the back of a 4 0 win, 4 uh, lost loss, sorry, against Manchester City in the, uh, the FA Cup. They also lost to Chelsea in the league as well. And, and it's, things are looking pretty pitiful for the London side at the moment. It's a really cruel
0: place, you know, Graham Potter, you know, his opportunity come to, to manage a top four or five team in the Premier League and he's and he's snapped the hands off that, off that opportunity. But it doesn't seem to have, have have found that way of playing. A lot of talk about the way Chelsea play and and not having a style and, and not playing the Chelsea way and you know losing games as they aren't you know it's Want to win, and, and it's a difficult situation for him. But he is at a club that demands success, and if he isn't able to da- deliver, the the new owners at Chelsea will 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 look at him and think, "Sorry, but you you haven't got what we need," and we'll move on. That's that's the the cutthroat business that we have in football. That there's no you know sentiment unless you've been there ten years and brought them plenty of titles. But even then. It, you know these owners are not a business, them in it, James. So they just want the money, uh, and if you can't deliver them a, a Champions League spot or a, or a top four spot, then you then you you're sent packing.
1: I mean, granted, there is a bit of a difference between Chelsea and Aston Villa in terms of Chelsea ending up in the bottom half of the table. But looking at it right now, I mean, they're on twenty five points. United, who are in the Champions League places in fourth place, are on thirty five. That's a ten point difference, and mm. at this stage of the season, that's not great. No. Not at all, and you know they're they're sort of looking
0: at likes of Man United and and City and Arsenal and Liverpool and and seeing the gap get bigger. And and they obviously have a lot of money behind them, but you've got to close the gap. All these other teams have money as well, so you have to spend on top, don't you, to catch them. So it is a difficult situation for Chelsea. Um, do they cash in early uh, and and get a new manager to, so he can bed it in uh, through through the rest of the season? That's a big question.
1: It is, and I think they might because at the moment things are just going catastrophically wrong. I mean, they've lost, what, three of the last five mm. and one of those other games was a draw, so one win in five? That's yeah. not the Blues we've all come to know over the years. So, yeah, not good at all for Chelsea at the moment, so they'll have to kick on. Salford City, our local side, are playing well. 2-1 win over the weekend and then uh, they're moving on now, playing Sutton. They are horridly... Only a point away from the playoffs, Robs, hmm. and we've been complaining about some of the performances throughout the season. But it's looking like they're going to come up trumps now. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think with with Salford City,
0: you know, with them big owners behind them, and um, they, they've got to hope that there's enough in this team and in this squad to get him over. i so difficult to get out, out of the division in at the moment. You know, you've got to you play games thick and fast, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you know, for, for like 3 months of the season and it's a difficult situation, but they have picked up results on the way. And they are looking up the table, they are in the playoff spot. They've just got to make sure they keep that form and, and keep performing. We're joined by Paul Whiteside from the Devil in the Detail, Paul, of the, the big news um, between uh, you know Foss over to it was their joint uh, bid with uh, Sale Sharks uh, to buy the AJ Bell Stadium which was rejected by the council. Paul, and uh, what was your thoughts on that, being a Salford Devils fan? Um,
2: yeah, it, it was um, good evening, lads. Good, I, you know, you're all right. Happy New Year. Um, it's it was a strange one. It was, it was a bit out of the blue. I'm still, I'm still not quite got my head round it. I mean, speaking as a Salford Rugby League supporter, it was probably good. Well I'm saying good news because nobody really knows it's a long road isn't it so um, it took me by surprise because a lot of people were saying it was a done deal at Sale and, and, and Salford City had sorted things out and it was all going to go ahead so so I don't know where this, this leaves Salford City now and, and Sale so it's it's a bit of um, he's put the cat amongst the pigeons so to speak Anyway, let's let's just hope that you know, all the clubs are sorted out and, they, they you know, they get stadiums and they, and they get, you know, a settled future because, you know, we need, we need good sporting clubs around the the, uh, the city, don't we?
0: Mm. And what's your thoughts on it, James, about, obviously, Silver City deciding to stay at the Peninsula Stadium, and um, you know, continue their journey there?
1: It's good, isn't it? I mean, it's come as somewhat of a shock because at one point it looked like they were leaning the other way, but I suppose it's good for the supporters they've got familiarity there and hopefully they continue to enhance the legacy that they've already built at the stadium. Mm. And it's it's interesting, obviously,
0: both uh, Salford teams, you know, having sort of been in two stadiums, it was an opportunity to bring them together under one uh, sort of roof. Obviously, Salford would have managed to be able to stay there. But with everything going on in the background, uh, you know, with, with the council, uh, Paul, obviously we don't know the ins and outs of it, but it, it seems that obviously Salford decided that it's time to, to, to go back to the peninsula and think again.
2: Well yeah from a Salford City point of view Salford City played there for a long time haven't they when it was when it was more lane you know before all the redevelopment and that I don't know how long they played there but it's it's a number of years that, that I sort of been watching football anyway so that's their home isn't it so you know would their supporters want to what sticks and move to the AJ Bell I'm not so sure and at the moment they're not really commanding the sort of crowd and support to to move to a bigger stadium are they so at the moment they they can sort of happily fit in the amount of supporters to get into that stadium and I suppose as, as they grow and if they grow and if they progress through the leagues and and things like that, then you would look at moving or or, or what's you something for the future but at the moment in time they're probably quite well sort of settled there and and, and don't really need their move so so I, I don't know I'll have to just see what the future holds for them
0: yeah Cheltenham away and son at home James for some of this week two games there they need to pick up points in
1: very winnable. I know one of them is an FA Trophy game, so I'm, I know they're hoping for a big win there. But in the league, a three points gets them in the playoffs, Rob. It's that simple. This is what Salford want this season. They're expecting it. The manager wants it. The supporters want it. And I fully believe they can pull it off.
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, Derby Day uh, this weekend, both, you know, Red resident red, resident blue. Uh, Paul, being our resident blue, what's your, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, Davies are tough, aren't they? They always are and, and Manchester City are in, in top form at the moment, aren't they? I mean, I, I know there's been one or two results where the you know, the, the Newcastle was it the Newcastle, was it Newcastle? I can't remember now. was it there's a game where they drew I know I was thinking about Arsenal Everton. Everton, sorry, that was the one, Everton. Um yeah, so the, there has been a few times where they've drawn a blank, hasn't there? But then there's been other games like the FA Cup tie you know, Chelsea, blew them away and 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 yeah, they, they do look when they pull it together it, you know, a formidable force, don't they? And Manchester United, I know, they've been on a good run, but this is a test for them now. This is a big test for them, so, you know, playing a a club like City or in terrific form, but, no, Derbys, I think, sometimes form goes out the window, doesn't it? To a certain extent, you've got the, the rivalry there and the, the pressure on the game as well, the bragging rights of the City. So, you know, you've got to perform on the, on the day, haven't you? So, um, so yeah, I think I think Derby games are special. But you'd, you'd fully expect City to, to to get a result the way they're playing at the moment.
0: Yeah, Man United at home, James or Eric Ten Hag, you know, jousting with Pep Guardiola, Man City, top of the, the top dog in Manchester at the moment, opportunity to try and knock them off the perch.
1: Yeah, there is. It's an opportunity we need to take, isn't it? I mean, Manchester and Manchester City, teams gone into this one. It's a very important game. I think off the back of the run that Manchester United have been on, there's a very big opportunity to win this. And if Eric Ten Hag has, it creates a massive, massive statement. It says that I'm not just here for a few months. I'm not going to... You know, for example, like Holly did, I'm not here for a short spell where I'm going to look like I'm going to make a difference, then ultimately I'm going to crumble under the pressure. This to me would prove that Eric Ten Hag is the man for the future. It's going to be super exciting. Obviously, both sides wanting wins for different reasons, and we'll
0: be talking all about it on the sports zone next week. Now, we're going to be talking boxing with Paul and James.
1: Yeah, we most certainly are. The first point of course, I suppose, this week, Paul, Javonta Davis fought last night. It's rare. That we get much action in January, isn't it? But it seems that this month there's a lot coming up with Eubank and Smith and and Yard and Beterbiev. But let's kick it off overseas. Davis, he's been in sticky waters recently. There was a yet another domestic violence charge against his name. Regardless, the show went ahead. He got another knockout victory. And now, all Rosita Ryan Garcia. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, another good result for him, and uh, and like you say, that does seem like the the, the obvious fight now, the fight that the, the fans want to see. But you know, it's um, it's not without controversy with with Jon today, is it? Like you said there, with uh, the off um, I'm going to say off field, off off ring sort of behaviour that goes on. So so that does tarnish things, doesn't it? it does tarnish his reputation slightly?
1: It does, but looking ahead now to the other big fights that are coming up this year Tyson Fury Alexander Usyk we've wanted it for months and months and months now it looks like it's finally going to happen Frank Warren has now officially sent a draft contract over to Alexander Usyk but we've been hearing these rumblings for so long that is this are we now in the final chapter is this going to finally get made or are we going to be here in two months time and we're going to see another headline that Frank Warren sends a
2: contract over to Alexander Usyk yeah, it seems a strange one, then I mean, I can never get my head round it. I mean, if you're a boxer, and I've, I've probably said this loads of times on the show, and you're at the peak, and you've got other guys who are around that sort of table, um, challenging, you want to fight the best fighter, and ju- just to say at the end of your career in 10, 20 years' time that I beat him, and, you know, forget the contract, just just get the fight sorted. I mean, Tyson Fury's probably got enough money to, to last him for the rest of his life comfortably anyway. So, it, and I can never understand the, the politics in, in this sort of um, this sort of top level of boxing. I mean, obviously, yeah, as you as you drop down, there's, there's contracts and money and things like that. You know, it's people's jobs and people's livelihoods. But we're talking here multi million pound fighters, aren't we? Let, let's just get the, the fight sorted because if you don't, there is that chance of it drifting away and the, and the chance drifting away. So, uh, so yeah, it's the fight everybody wants to see in 2023. So let's hope they get around the table and get it sorted sooner rather than later.
1: Well, certainly. And another fact that's been on the cast for so long, Jake Paul has offered Tommy Fury £2.5 million to fight him in his hometown of Manchester. Tommy has refused and claimed that he'd rather they fight for free with all proceeds going to charity, which obviously on paper sounds great. But this is very similar to the sort of stuff his brothers come out with about fighting Anthony Joshua at Wembley Stadium for free it just doesn't feel realistic and it also feels a bit disingenuous
2: yeah if i was sure i'd just steer clear of it if if you want to be taken seriously as a boxer and have a career as a boxer and and you know work your way through the rankings and and, and through the divisions and you know through fr- through the belts you know british european go the traditional way these sort of side shows yeah they might make you a few quid but people ain't going to take you serious so I'd, I'd stay well clear of it. You know, if he's got the potential like people think he has and, you know, you know, to go and have, a, and have a really good career, he's a, he's a relatively young man in boxing circles, I'd stay well clear of it because, yeah, there's a lot of money there and, and, and yeah, he's a decent, he seems a decent fighter, doesn't he? You know, the, the YouTube guy because he's, he's beating people and what have you, but, I don't know, it's not, it doesn't seem the right road for me, it's not something that, you know, me personally, I wouldn't go down that road, but, you know, when you, you're talking telephone numbers and that sort of money, aren't you, so, I don't know, it probably just turned people's heads. It probably would,
1: and another story, uh reported by the Daily Mail. An interesting one, this. Ian John Lewis, the former ref, well, the current referee, has sued the British Boxing Board of Control for degrading him from an A-star referee to an A-class referee for his terrible judging in the Josh Taylor-Jack Cattrall fight. If you want to throw your mind back to, to last February, most feeling that Jack Cattrall won that fight at a canter. Ian John Lewis produced a scorecard to the contrary of that. He, how most feel, rightfully, was degraded as a referee, However, he's complaining against that
2: decision. Yeah, strange one. Um, you know, Taylor still feels he won that fight, doesn't he? So, you know, and there's there's, there's people out there, if you talk to him, that, that think he won as well. I mean, for me, I'm a neutral in that fight, really. I don't, I'm, I'm not really, a, I don't really know Cattler and you know, and I don't really know Taylor, you know. From from sort of lo- uh, as a local fighter, so I was sat on the fence watching that fight, and I think that the vast majority of people who scored it scored it for, for Castle, didn't it? It looked an obvious decision, but you no, know, watching it again, perhaps it was a bit closer. And there's there's a lot of rounds in those sort of fights where they could go either way. So yeah, perhaps it was a bit harsh. I, I don't know. It, it just seemed at the time there was an outcry, wasn't there, for that fight how how we we, we felt it had gone. So so I I don't know whether. It was the right thing to, to downgrade him or not? I'm not too sure because you know referees see different things and yeah, it was it was a tricky one. It was a, it was a tricky one. But they've got the rematch those two, haven't they? So um, I'm not so sure whether he and John Lewis will be the be, be one of the judges this time. I, I doubt it anyway. But they've got the rematch now and they can they can put things right, can't they?
1: They can and hopefully uh, for many Jack Cattrall will be able to get the job done this time. It's looking like that's going to go ahead in Scotland. It hasn't been officially confirmed yet but surely he's going right back into the same situation he was in the first time
2: yeah to, to me james if, if that happens and it goes back to, to scotland he's going to have to going to have to go there and knock him out i think to get the result i just i just, I just believe that because you're going to a champion's backyard to me he's always going to get the benefit of the doubt by the by the judges i think on a scorecard it, it'd be very rare where you'll beat him on points as, as in being the champion. So, you know, Cattrall's going to have to go there. But I think Cattrall's got the tools to do it. He, he proved that in the first fight that he belongs at that sort of elite level. You know, he's a very, very uh, accomplished fighter, very brave man, very very technical. You know, he's a tough lad. So, you know, if if Cattrall has been working his socks off in the gym like I think he has been doing. I mean, you think of the motivation of that there. You've you've lost that fight where you think you've won. Everybody else thinks you've won. You've had it taken away from you. What more motivation do you need? That hunger should drive you on every single day Mm -hmm. of your life. So he'll have been training like a madman for this. And, you know, it'd be nice for him to to go out there and, and, and do the business. And I think he's got the tools to do it. But let's not discount Taylor. He's a good champion as well. So it makes for an absolute classic fight.
1: Yeah, it's one we're all looking forward to very much. And now looking towards a potential fairy tale story. Because Oscar Evers, sadly, has had to vacate his WBC Bridgeweight World title, but it's opened it up for Alan the Savage Babbage, who has been ordered to contest for the vacant belt against Lucas Rosanski. Not an opponent I know too much about, but what a fairy tale ending it will be for Alan the Savage Babich, somebody who's come from virtual obscurity to go and win a world title.
2: That's what you know, dreams of, of boxing are all about, aren't they? So, uh, it would be a fairy tale. It be like a Rocky story, wouldn't it, really? So, uh, let's hope it comes true and uh, we, get to see, uh, we get to see it.
1: Well, certainly. Now, Dave Allen has announced a return to the ring. He'll be back on February the 18th. He's lost three stone ahead of this comeback. And the White Rhino is somebody who is well-loved amongst boxing circles, but he's made quite a few of these comebacks now. Are we expecting him to do anything in the sport?
2: and um, i think you know without being disrespectful to, for today well, i think he sort of found his level didn't he really um, he's not. He doesn't really belong anywhere near near world level. Um, had quite a few big defeats, didn't he? And he openly admitted that he was struggling in sparring as well, wasn't he? He was taking a beating sometimes. I don't think his health was 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 the best. Um, did he make the comeback for the right reasons? Obviously, he got his boxing license, so you know he he had to do something to prove that. People were happy. The board were happy to give him the license. But I think you know for him, it's if he likes being in the gym and it's keeping him active, you know, why not you go for it and just see how far you can go? I don't think he's, he's he's at world level, maybe European level, British level. There's a lot of good fighters around the British level for him. So, so yeah, and he's his entertainer. He, he sells tickets as well. Um, good luck to him. Good luck to him. I hope he comes back and has a, has a good career.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, somebody we love so much on this show, and I think everybody likes Dave Allen, a very down-to-earth guy, and hopefully, He can have a couple more big nights. Will he be at the O2 Arena again, beating Lucas Brown? Potentially not. But uh, hopefully on some of these smaller Hall shows, he can make a bit of an impact. Now looking ahead to January the 21st, a show we're going to, Paul, a big one this. Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith, one of the biggest domestic fights in a long time. We've now got some undercard announcements. And firstly, Joseph Parker is going to be back in action just a few months after that beatdown at the hands of Joe Joyce against Manchester's Jack Massey.
2: Yeah, tasty fight a big test for Jack Massey, real big test, you know, uh, Joseph Parker is a tough man, a very, very tough man, been in with some of the best, been in some big fights, very experienced fighter now, and this is the, the, a big test for Massey, one that he wanted, and, uh, and yeah, this has the potential of of being the fighter of the night, to be honest with you. I mean, I know the main event's a good one, but uh, this is a huge test for the local guy. Um, and, and should be fireworks. It should be absolutely explosive, you know. Both fighters, I can't see this one going in the distance. Not, not at all. I think it's going to be a real shootout, this one. And one I'm really looking forward to.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because Jack Massey, obviously, a very talented fighter, but he's not operated at world level like Joseph Parkhouse, somebody who's beaten Andrew Reid for a, a world title. However... He's just lost to Joe Joyce in pretty devastating fashion, and could that beatdown have had a long-lasting effect on his career, and thus giving Massey
2: a big, big chance in this one? Well, it could even things out, James, couldn't it? I mean, that experience, that world experience that, uh, that parker has got, you've got to weigh that against, you know, the the, the the lack of experience at that sort of level that Massey's got, and then you've got the the defeat from last time. Does it equal things out? You know, sometimes that, that happens in, in boxing, doesn't it? But, you know, Massey's got a massive chance there with a home crowd as well, so that's going to spur him on. But, you know, don't discount Parker. You know, he's a classy operator. He's a tough man. Yeah, that, that defeat against Joe Joyce was a was one that's probably affected him psychologically. You know, no, no boxer likes to lose like that. Um, but it's all about bouncing back, isn't it, and showing the character, and one thing that uh, Parker's got is he's, he's full of um, full of character, isn't he, and um, you know he's, he's, a, he's a real warrior, so this is going to be a good fight for him, and it's a fight he can bounce back from and pop himself back into to, to world uh, contention, so it's a crossroads fight for both fighters, it's a massive opportunity for Massey, and a massive opportunity for Parker as well to put himself back up there.
1: It is. And now looking at the co-main event, Richard Riaquipa, he's headlined quite a few of these Sky Sports bills as of late. He's making his ascent towards world level and he's taken on Christoph Glavacki, a former WBO world champion, somebody who's been at world level for a very long time, undeniably sliding down the mountain. But it's still a good test and it's still a good co-main event.
2: Yeah, it's cracking uh, co-main event. We know what Riaquipa brings to, to the ring, doesn't it? I mean, that you know, that there's, there's some good British fighters in, in the division now. Um, you know, Billum Smith's up and around there as well, who's very entertaining, but for me, is probably the best of a, of a good bunch there, he, he's got the power he's got speed, he's got a good chin as well, but he, he's that explosive power with him, he really is terrific to watch um, and I, yeah, I, I can see this being a real big win for him, this and, and entertaining the crowd as well at, at Manchester he'll, he'll love that, but he's a special fighter Riyadhpoh and uh, you'd be looking at a world champion I think in 2023
1: and another special fighter is on this bill, Fraser Clark. However, he's not an opponent yet. There's been several names on the grapevine, from Rydell Booker to Kevin Johnson. Neither of them have been confirmed. We don't know who he's going to be fighting. But at this stage of his career, granted, he's only just turned pro after the Olympics. But he's not the youngest. And like Joe Joyce, he needs to be fast tracked.
2: He does. He's just got to keep getting the fights under his belt. I mean, he's had a, he's been unlucky in a couple of his fights, particularly the one that was on the television recently, where his opponent was a bit of a on event really, wasn't? I mean, I'm not going to disrespect him because I respect everybody who steps in the ring, but it was a complete mismatch, wasn't? And you had to feel sorry for Fraser put in like a big training camp and you're just hoping he gets a big test in, in, in his next fight now and, and entertains in front of the crowd as well and every time he gets in the ring, every time he gets a result, gets a win, that's that's more confidence for him going forward to, to, to build his career. As you said, he's not the youngest so he does need to get a fight under his belt. So, you'd have to have a word with his promoters really, but I bet they're looking for him to get, you know, at least four fights in, in in 2023, definitely. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe even five if he can do, but I think four would be the minimum for him, you know, to progress him forward. And then the
1: last one we've had announced, the British Commonwealth, IBF European and WBC International Silver Welterweight Champions will be on the line when Echo Usman fights Chris Congo. Usman fought on the Joe Joyce bill not so long ago, secured a big win that night.
2: And this is quite a good trade fight, isn't it? To be honest with you, I don't know a lot about these two. I'm looking forward to seeing this one. I don't know a lot about. Them. There's a lot on the line for it, as you just mentioned there, with with the belts and the and the titles there. So, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one as a as a boxing purist really and, and enjoy it. I don't know much about either fighter really, so uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. It, you know, it's got the hallmarks of another good fight.
1: It most certainly has, and the headliner, Eubank Junior. Liam Smith, everybody's looking forward to it. And as usual, Eubank Jr., he's playing the mind games. Do you think he's getting under Liam Smith's skin?
2: Um, yeah, I think I think possibly. He's trying his best. Um, Liam Smith, though, comes from a good boxing family, doesn't he? I mean, his brothers uh, have been around the sport for, for a long time. Liam Smith's 34 now. He's been around the sport for a long time. Knows it inside out. Um, fought some of the best as well, hasn't he? He's a very, very experienced man, is Liam Smith. I mean... Chris Eubank Jr. needs to be careful that he doesn't take him too lightly because, you know, Liam knows how to grind a win out, knows how to get in there, knows how to soak up pressure. Um, Yeah, I I don't think Chris Eubank Jr. has been in anywhere near the sort of fights that Liam Smith has been in. So, you know, it's a big chance for Eubank, but this is a big chance for for Liam Smith to really... You know, he's, he's coming towards the end of his career now, isn't it? 34, been in some tough fights, as I've said. Um, I had some some real hard fights with some real tough rounds. And I just fancy Liam Smith to to get the job done here. I think there's a bit of dislike there between the two of them, isn't there? I mean, it's probably difficult with with Eubank not to dislike him sometimes the way he carries on on social media, but you know, that's how he he sells fights and how he promotes things. He certainly is interesting, but you know, I think Liam Smith has got the bit between his teeth for this one. He looks very, very determined.
1: You've got two fighters here who are polar opposite personalities. Liam supposed to sort of get down dirty, gets the job done, whereas Juventus Jr. is a bit more flamboyant. He was in his last fight against Liam Williams. Can he afford to take the same stance in this fight with Liam Smith, who's inevitably going to fly out him at 100 miles an hour? Can he afford to take him lightly?
2: Not at all. Uh, no disrespect to Liam Williams. Liam Williams is a, is a good fighter and a very, very good fighter. Very, very tough man. But boxing's all about levels, and I think Liam Smith is that little bit higher than Liam Williams. So Eubank Jr., yeah, he got the job done that night, but he's going to have to go to world level to beat Liam Smith. And he can do, there's no doubt about that. This this should be a top fight. I mean, look at the bookies odds. They've got Eubank Jr.'s favourite, uh, which I find surprising. It's very tight, but... Um, but no, he's going to have to raise it for this one. But he can do. I think it'll be a close fight. It's not going to be easy, this one. But Liam Smith, as you said, there, are two guys polar opposites. Eubank Jr. is a flamboyant fighter. He's he's flash. Whereas Liam Smith is, he's, I'm, not, not, I'm not going to say a journeyman, but boxing's his job. You know, it's his, it's his profession. You know, he's like a tradesman. Gets his tools in his, his bag and goes to work, doesn't he? So, th- that's what he does every every day of the week. So, you are seeing two fighters. This makes for an absolute classic fight, by the way. It really does. You've got two real styles. I think they will gel. I think it'll be an absolute shootout. I think they'll both go from, from round one.
1: And we can't wait for it, Paul. Just two weeks to go now until the big night. But that's all the boxing we've got time for today. Now, we're going to move on to the world of rugby league. And I'm going to throw it over to Rob. Yeah, we'll start, as we've talked about in the
0: earlier part of the show, Paul, about Salford's uh, renegotiation with terms about the A.J. Bell, obviously looking for a better deal than they've got now (coughs) regarding uh, food and drink. I think it's really important that, uh, obviously, Paul King gets a great deal.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, it'd be great if Salford can carry on playing games at the the A.J. Bell Stadium, have that sort of security and that financial security there where we're not struggling for... uh, for money and things like that, I'm worrying about money so, you know, the the stadium's a great facility, it's got great potential I mean, when you think about it you could use that stadium all year round for, for concerts and you know, boxing matches in the summer and, and all sorts. It could be a, sort of a, an, a a year going thing, really. So there's a lot of potential there with it. So, so yeah, let's hope that Solver do get a good deal on it. You get deal with the drinks and things like that, and everything that goes on on the match day. I think I think it's a great opportunity to stay. I mean, I know people was talking about more lane and things like that. For me. Yeah, we'd have made more lane if we'd have gone there. We'd have made the best of it, but I think it would have been a bit of a step down from where we are at the moment. So, um, so yeah, I'm happy that we stay in there, and, and let's just hope we're there for for a long, long time in the future.
0: Yeah, Paul King mentioned the fact that he'd done all the the math the maths regarding the amount it cost for us to go to More Lane and improve more Lane to get it to a Super League standard, and he thought that it wasn't uh, sort of financial. It makes financial sense to sort of put that much money into into that adventure, which means by default, it looks like we're either staying at the AJ Bell or, or moving out of the area.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think staying at the AJ Bell would would be great. Really, I've been there for ten seasons now, whether they're about. So, it's become a home now. It's a cracking facility, as I've just mentioned before. You know, it really is. It's one of the best grounds in Super League. Um, you know the obviously people moan about getting there and things like that and transport but it's right off the motorway it's there's plenty of more there's plenty of other rugby grounds that are a lot more difficult to get to than Salford so um let's hope we stay there let's make the best of it and you know, i think we've got used to going there now we've had some great nights there um in recent years and um and we've got a good training facility there as well. The players like it. We're attracting good players now. You think? Look at the squad of players that we've got at the moment. It's a, it's a really good squad. You know, people want to come and play for us. You know, world-class players. So, would you get that sort of um, player pool playing somewhere like Morlane? No, you probably wouldn't. So, uh, so yeah, long may continue. Let's just hope we can tie things down financially now and, and really start building. And hopefully, crowds will increase in 2023 on, on the back of good form, and we can really start building the club.
0: Yeah, talking about tying players down, uh, Salford's Tim Laffey uh, has agreed a new three-year deal to stay at at Salford Red Devils. Obviously, we talk about on the podcast Salford being an opportunity club. Uh, Tim Laffey come from Australia without a club, came uh, through at Salford, had a fantastic season, uh, took us to to the playoff semi-final. Then got picked to play for Samoa and took them to the final of the World Cup. So what a season he had! Uh, and obviously to be rewarded with his three-year contract shows the the progression you can do uh, when you're in that sort of club.
2: Yeah, he came out of nowhere. Really, been a good player in the NRL, but had uh, not been been playing really. So it's he's got the games under his belt, and he's you know he's really built momentum, hasn't he? As a player, and yeah, twenty twenty-three is another big season for him now to. To, to keep that progression going. He's a very, very dangerous player, very, very talented player, and, uh, yeah, delighted that he's, that he's staying with the club.
0: It's, I suppose it's important that we're able to to obviously entice these quality players, but then keeping them as well, because obviously Salford so do have a history of, of bringing top players uh, in who have, have obviously had issues in their career, and then, then obviously... They get success and then they do decide to move on. So, to to keep Tim LaFay has, has sort of booked that trend.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. Um, we have had it, you know, where we brought players in who've probably been lesser known players and we've made them into good players and then players have, have left, haven't they, you know, to, to go on to, to better things, so to speak. But at the moment, you look around the Super League and that, is there, is there many better clubs than but so? I mean, we were challenging there last season. We was only we, we weren't far off getting to another grand final. Um, so we've been to a couple of finals already as well in recent years, and, and been up there challenging. So you know what? What can we do with a bit of investment? We, we've got a decent side there, and I think players are realising that. That was a good sparring there, a good environment. Players are enjoying playing for Paul Rowling, Kurt Agatha. Um, You know, there's a real feel good about around the club. I think the the players love that the bond the supporters have with with the, with the players. I think it's a very tight knit club at Salford and I think the players respect that and and enjoy that. So um, so yeah, I think that's why you're getting players coming to Salford Now I, I spoke to Oliver Partington at the um, the, the season ticket collection and said that to him. I said, you know, you've left Wigan there, a champion club, and. He was more or less saying, "Well, yes, yeah, are as well. You know, I've come here to, to win things. So, I mean, that's that's a that's a big pat on the back to Solford, that Paul Kingy and Blaise for the recruitment. So and Paul roller So, so yeah, I think there's there's potential at Salford now, massive potential.
0: Mm. Talk about keeping players at Solford. Tyler Deperrie is signed at Solford till 2025. It came sort of the same way, opportunity club came through. Um, you know, from witness, an uh, England night now. He played, uh, I think it was against, uh, was it France, in in, a, in, a, in the off-season. And he shows up what quality uh, he is.
2: Tyler Dupree has got all the hallmarks of an international forward, I think. Um, he's got the right attitude, he's got the physique, he's got the speed, he's got the offload he can tackle. He's got everything. He really has and really looking forward to seeing what he can do with the full pre-season behind him. We came in at Salford last season, you know, not having spent the pre-season with us and, and coming halfway through a season. So now he's got that full pre-season, all that training, all that full-time training as well as a full-time athlete. I think you're going to see a real big season for him in 2023 and hopefully he can be banging on the door for international honours again at the end of the year come the autumn. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited by him. I think he's been a great signing.
0: Yeah, obviously we're looking, you know, forward to the twenty twenty three season, and um, you know, obviously there's a lot of clubs in in Super League that are in sort of a transition uh, sort of period. What what's your thoughts on on that? Is is there a certain sort of teams you think in the Super League that we, we should be looking out for?
2: I think he's wide open, Rob. I think he's absolutely wide open this season. Um, you've got St. Helens who, who've got a new coach in Paul Wellens um, are they going to be as good this season I don't know I'm not so sure Warrington are a, a bit of a funny team aren't they have been up and down Wigan they weren't you know, they were sort of workmen like last season they've got Jack Field and Bevan French but have they got much else I'm, I, I don't, I'm not convinced by their pack hello Kingston Rovers they're in, in and out teams aren't they so Huddersfield a lot of people fancy them Um Are they going to be as good this season? We'll have to wait and see. They've got Jake Connor there. He's a bit of a maverick, but they can keep him fit. They could have a good season. I think it's anybody's. Castleford, they've made some interesting signs. They're always tough to beat at home. I think, you know, if a team can. Can get that confidence and get that belief and, and win the home matches. They're going to be up there, and that could be anybody. So um, you know, it could be a really, really open season this time. I mean, a lot of people have sort of laughed at, at Lee Centurions or Lee Leopards as they're called now. Made some smart signings. They could, they could be, a, could have a really good season. I think it all depends on the start you get and the confidence that you build. Um, so, so I I wouldn't like to predict a league table because I think, you know, we could see some surprises this time. So, you no, know, have got the potential to to get into the playoffs and do some damage. And with that squad that we've got, I, I hope we can. The only thing that might let us down is the size of the squad. But if we can keep players fit. Um, yeah, you know, we've got we've got a good chance. So it's going to be exciting. But like I said, I would not like to make predictions because I just think it's going to be so wide open.
0: Yeah, I think obviously we, we've solved for success last season. It's going to be difficult for Paul Rowley's men to reproduce that because obviously teams now have an idea how we'll solve for yeah. plays. So they will be set up. It's just a matter of Paul Rowley finding a, a sort of a different way, but not too different, not too far away from what made him a success this season.
2: Yeah, well, you've always got that, that, that factor of the second season syndrome. I mean, how many times has it, for it over the years if we had a really good season, got to the playoffs or or whatever, our challenge in the season after we've either got relegated or been really, really disappointed finishing at the bottom. You know, that's happened on a number of occasions. So we don't want that to be this season. We don't want Brodie Croft to be a man and get smashed every time he gets the ball, do we? Because people are going to, going to be watching him, aren't they? Now they know... They know Ryan Breil is a danger. They know Callum Watkins is a danger. So they're going to have these players marked. But Paul Rule is a wise coach, Kurt Agate. They know the stuff. And and I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that rugby league that we played last season, it's hard to it's hard to defend against that. It's hard to coach against that. So I'm pretty sure they'll they'll stick to that sort of game plan. And um, yeah, it's dead exciting to see how we go. We've got a tough start as well against Lee Centurion. So, you know, it, uh, it's going to be a tough season. There's no doubt. But I think we've, we've got a chance of getting some silverware.
0: Yeah, talking about um, off the field, Paul. The Salford Devils Foundation uh, running a England uh, and uh, Salford Talent Pathway uh, sort of a night where schools and, and clubs can can go down and, and and see what you know what the club offer and, and how they. Nurture the the next uh, generation of talent. I think it's it's on the twenty sixth of January, at Eccles College. Uh, it'll cover both boys and girls uh, rugby league. And I think it's important, obviously, that uh, if you're part of a uh, a local club or, or want uh, sort of your child to be involved in this and see how it all works out, um, you know, to get down there and and listen and 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 engage in that.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the club. The foundation do a terrific job in, in the city of Salford and in the, in the local area, in the local district. And you know, if you can get down there and, and be part of that, I think it's something special, something special to be part of. And uh, you know, the the, the club are, are doing the best at the moment to get into schools and, and get pathways, and and you know, young youngsters playing the sport and 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 that's all good that's that's all, that's all you want to see that's how the club's going to grow from the bottom you know the grassroots of the club so yeah if you can get down there and get involved with that you know it's it's a very wise thing to do
0: yeah. Uh, also, the ladies who had a very successful season last season uh, gained promotion to Super League Two. Their fixtures have, have come out um, this weekend, and it's important, obviously, you know, that, that the fans continue to support uh, Chris <clears throat> Bates and his ladies because obviously they worked so hard, you know, winning the, the the League Cup and and getting to the, the Grand Final. Um, uh, obviously, getting beat by Alton was a disappointment, but they've come so far in such a small period of time. Uh, we weren't obviously hundred percent sure what to expect, obviously, because. These ladies have all come together uh, to form this sort of, for, sort of form this team, and it, the team good enough really to get into the, to the Super League too. So it'd be fascinating to see what what happens next. Obviously against uh, you know bigger, better sides, they're going to be tested every week. They play the like of Castleford, Lee, Bradford, Featherstone uh, in this uh, sort of group that they're in in, in Super League two. So it'd be fascinating to see what comes up next.
2: Yeah, it's the next challenge, isn't the next step on on the ladder? So yeah, I think. Nobody expected, or I certainly didn't expect them to make as much progress in 12 months that they have done. So let's hope, when we're talking this time in 2024, that they made even more progress. And I'm sure they won't let us down. I'm sure they will do it. You know, it's, it's growing all the time, isn't it? And we, we've said that, Chris Pitt's done a tremendous job. But the ladies themselves are doing a great job. They're so committed. They're so professional about the way they go about the business and the training. You know, They leave no stone unturned. So I don't think they'll disappoint in 2023. I think they'll go from strength to strength.
0: Yeah, and the balls were playing the Challenge Cup, which is a, you know, prodigious tournament. It's a little bit different uh, than the men's uh, tournament. There's uh, groups of four, I think, and then they play each other three a couple of few times, and then the winners of that go into knockout competition. But it'd be fascinating to see, you know, how our ladies are able to sort of compete in that tournament.
2: Yeah, well, that, that puts Ladies Rugby League on the map, doesn't it, really? You know, the Challenge Cup and, uh, you know, to, to, to get to the final the showpiece, the occasion that it is, I think it'd be absolutely amazing. So that's the goal you've got to aim for. But just to be taking part in that competition just shows the progress that they've made. So it just all adds to the excitement, doesn't it? To, to the fixtures and you know, we just can't wait for it all to get started now.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, Salford and Swinton playing a friendly, at the A.J. Bell, uh, on the 27th of January. 1pm kickoff. opportunity for both teams to, to you know, get a if game under the belt, get the fitness
2: going ready the big season start. Yeah, it was the worst kept secret, this one, everybody seemed to be talking about it. And nobody wanted to announce it, didn't they? So, <laughs> it's nice that they've got the fixture on again. Uh, I think we should play Swinton every year. I think it's great to, to play them. It's local rival, local Derby and or the Salford supporters who've got friends with Swinton supporters, I'm sure we all have, haven't we? So we know people from 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 the Swinton district. So I think it's great. It's, it's a nice rival we've got with Swinton. We've had over over the sort of the last hundred and odd years or whatever. So um, so yeah, it's great to play Swinton again, and and uh, let's hope we get you know a bit of good weather. It's not too cold, and we get a good crowd down there for that, and it's an entertaining game.
0: Yeah. It's obviously both teams be looking at, you know, what, what they can, you know, get out of it. You know, what will uh, you know, like so Paul, Paul Rowley, um, you know, one one out of this competition, out uh, of this friendly, what will we be looking at uh in, in this? Well
2: you're looking to get match sharpness, aren't you? You're looking to get match sharpness. You can only do so much in training, can't you? I mean you know you play play, play a bit of contact in training, but you're not playing full contact, are you, like, because you're playing against your own your own teammates, so you're looking at getting that match sharpness, getting those um, combinations together, those moves together and uh, getting rid of the rustiness, getting yourself fit and strong and battle-hardened, if you like, you know, taking full, full-blooded full hits off, off championship players who really want to go out there and, and, and show you, don't they? I mean, Swinton will want to beat us, they've not beat us for, for, for a long time, have they? Um, you know, in comping, in, well in a competitive sort of match, they beat us in a friendly a few years ago, didn't they? But you know they'll want to get one over on his local bragging rights and what have you. So, so yeah, it's a good test and uh, then obviously the week after we've got to play Wigan, haven't we, in um, Sam Powell's testimonial, so that'll be another step up. So that's what you need now, it's a long, tough season. You know, pre-season is it's always tough, the players say, but I think once you start playing the matches and getting yourselves match fit as you saw, as you, so you don't do so much in the gym and on the training pitch, I think it's when you actually get out there on the playing field playing 80 minutes, that's when you start getting that fitness up and getting ready to play the long hard Super League season. And What about Alan Coleman, what would he be looking for his uh, players? Confidence, I think he'd be looking for confidence he will want his players to go out there and, and score some tries against Super League opposition build their confidence for a, for a tough season that's coming up in the Championship you look down that Championship tab, I was looking at the odds today actually on, uh, on the Championship, you look at some of the squads there and you know, it is a bit of a division within a division. There's the sort of sides in there who've probably got an awful lot more money than the sides at the lower end. And they're going to have their backs against the wall, Swinton. But I think the surprise teams, I think the surprise teams at Haywood Road, they were tough to beat down there. And uh, yeah, everyone's going to say Swinton are going to go straight back down. You no know, bookies are saying that, but they've got to go out there and, and make it difficult for teams week in, week out. Um, and, and the confidence they get from giving for a good game or beating Salford or whatever. Would, would do them the world a good so he will be looking at the same getting his players ready for when that championship season starts.
0: Yep, Swinton have uh, signed Miles Harrop, uh, Salford's uh, reserve team centre. Played, you know, played very well uh, in his game. If think he played against Warrington, uh, you know, at the end of the season, I think it's going to be a good signing for Swinton
2: I think he scored as well. If I'm mm, if I, yep. right. I think he scored a good try in the corner. Uh, yeah, it looks impressive to me as well. So uh, so good luck to him. I think um, they've got a good player there. They've, they've, they've made some, you know, they've not made wholesale changes, Swinton. They had a decent side anyway from last season that they've kept. Decent spine of a team. Brought one or two players in. But Alan Coleman seems a, you know, a wily coach, really, doesn't he? He knows, the, he knows the sport inside out, knows his players there. It's, it's a very tight knit group at Swinton. The supporters, the players, the staff, they're all pulling in the right direction at that club. And, you know, I think they know. They've, they've got a tough season coming up but, uh, but I, I really think they can have a good year this time and I, I think they can survive in that division. I think they can prosper as well so uh, looking forward to seeing how they go.
0: Yeah, With a minute to go they've got the first friendly against Midland, Midland Hurricanes on the 15th of January 8th at the Haywood Road, 2pm kickoff. off
2: uh, Be a big obviously,
0: game for that to get them uh, fitness and uh, stuff going.
2: Yeah, Midlands used to be Coventry Bears, didn't they? And I think they've come come on leaps and bounds over the last couple of seasons and, and, and progressed themselves. So that'll be a test for, for Swinton. Um, like I said before, it's about getting yourself ready now, You know, gearing up for the, the start of the, the league season, taking it week by week and, and stepping it up the ladder. So they'll step up against the Midlands and then step up against Salford. So it's all getting you ready for that, that round one.
0: Yeah, obviously both sides uh in, in the early stages of the, the pre season will be looking to to get things going. We'll be talking about all all of it on the sports zone on Salford City Radio uh, through the season, covering both scenes and the, the success that they'll they'll get. Uh, and I'm sure you'll all be tuning in uh, to, to listen to it. Big thanks to for joining us on the sports zone on Salford City Radio, Avro Parkson and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat on Salford City Radio.